0: Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in career development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and in addition to podcasting, I'm a leadership and mastermind coach, a strategy and fundraising consultant, a speaker, and an author. Check out my book. It's also titled Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, and you can find it in other resources and programs we offer at PattonMcDowell.com. By the way, if you want to help make this podcast even better, maybe you have an idea for a topic or a guest, go to the show notes for this or any other episode and find out where the podcast survey is located. You can also go to the podcast page at patmcdowell.com, fill out the survey, won't take long, and you can help assure this podcast continues to meet your leadership development needs. Well, I know you're going to enjoy this fantastic conversation with Regina Moody, who's the president and CEO of Holy Angels and has had a remarkable nonprofit leadership journey. Much wisdom, as you might imagine, as the result of 40 years, and yes, you heard that right, 40 years at this single organization. Holy Angels is in Belmont, North Carolina. It's a wonderful organization. And in an age of the great resignation, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing I was before this conversation. How do you stay at one nonprofit organization for four decades? What kept Regina engaged? How did she build uh, and retain the kind of talent and infrastructure and donor base to turn a small one-building nonprofit into its current 17-building campus? And maybe most interesting of all, How did she know when it was time to step away? And what is she doing to assure that this transition will be a smooth one and not lose the momentum she's worked so hard to maintain? Lots of wonderful lessons here, regardless of where you are on your nonprofit path. Regina's got great advice to share. So don't forget to check out the show notes. This is episode number 168. You can go to the new podcast page, at PattonMcDowell.com, and you'll find out all of the resources we discussed, as well as more information on Regina and the great work she's still doing through Holy Angels and its website, by the way, holyangelsnc.org. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Regina Moody. Regina, thank you for joining me on the path.
1: And thanks for the invitation.
0: I look forward to talking with you today. Uh, it, it's exciting to have this conversation. You have had a remarkable career in nonprofit leadership, made even more remarkable by the fact you spent 40 years at a single nonprofit organization. And I know the wisdom and experience you've gained uh, during your time at Holy Angels is going to benefit our listeners. So for that, thank you. Let's start with this kind of provocative question, Regina. You and I had a little conversation before. As you look around at nonprofit leadership in the sector, what is the biggest challenge that you see and that perhaps concerns you as you think about nonprofit leadership?
1: Well, you know, and and I am sure that this is an answer that many people would share, and that would be, well, we just came through a pandemic, and we think we're almost through it. But you know, setting that aside, I, I do think that. Um, the world of nonprofits is, is of course, changing and growing and, and challenging, uh, partly. You know, there's lots of competition uh, for d- uh, donations and contributions, uh, as well as um, the world of technology and the challenges that we face. It's great to have technology, but you also have to be able to manage it and be present on it in order to share your mission so you know i think um recovering from the recession uh, certainly is is a big challenge um sharing m- mission and values are really important i think for people to know who you are and what you do and then there are great nonprofits uh in this country and and they are um growing every single day. And to that, I think there's more competition for the the dollars that may be available that people might be willing to contribute.
0: All great points. In fact, you lifted up one of many that I think uh, will resonate with our listeners, but technology. In fact, I had another guest, a guy named Bill Connors talk about, he thought that was one of the most significant, the increasing amount of leadership time was going to be devoted more to technology. So have you found over your recent tenure that you're spending more time in kind of in the technology space or managing technology, I guess?
1: Yes, absolutely. And and really uh, here at Holy Angels, we uh, recently added a position, uh, a a chief position of development and marketing with uh, the experience of uh, digital technology in an effort to uh, kind of expand outreach into the the world of technology and the the online presence that we feel like we need to have. I do believe that technology and being technology savvy, if you will, is going to be one of the requirements for nonprofits to be success in the future, be successful yep. in the future.
0: Exactly right. And you and the Bill make are making the same point. I mean you have to necessarily get into the coding or the the the, the weeds of technology, but you sure have to manage it, don't you, if you're going to lead your organization forward.
1: Yeah, that both, you know, for internal business operations, if you will, and uh, communication within your organization, but also externally, that's where people are getting lots of information on online, you know, whether it's a YouTube or a Instagram or whatever it may be. So we have right. really worked hard websites, keeping them up to date and current um is you know, it's one of those requirements today that maybe wasn't in existence 40 years ago when I started.
0: <laughs> exactly, you've seen you've seen an evolution of that for sure, and Absolutely. and of course we're going to call to our listeners' attention through the show notes of this episode some of the great material and both digital and um, in, in kind of hard copy, if you will, of Holy Angels. But let's pause there for a moment for our listeners that don't know Regina. What is Holy Angels? Talk about the organization you have, in fact, led
1: yeah sure thanks i you know always love to talk about my passion and of course holy angels is my passion and our um our roots go back to um 1955 uh, which would put us at the 67th anniversary year of holy angels this year and um the way we got started was that there the sisters of mercy who began their community here in belmont north carolina um had several ministries and missions many may remember mercy hospital or saint joseph's hospital in Asheville, the sisters ran the catholic schools uh, and various types of other ministries but holy angels uh, grew out of the fact that one of the sisters that was operating a day nursery on the campus here in belmont where sacred heart college used to be um, and the sisters of mercy mother house was operating a day nursery for babies and young children of parents who worked in the mill area back in the day of our beginning uh the mills were very very populous as it was a textile community and so people needed places for their children to be taken care of and and um you know be safe and so that's what was happening it was called the nursery and it was a little engineer's cottage here on campus and a baby named maria was born um to a mother mother who was 16 years old and she um the doctor who delivered Maria knew that she had pretty significant challenges. She was um, had spina bifida and, and uh, hydrocephalus, and really at that time was not expected to live. And so, the doctor referred the, Maria's mom to uh, Sister Patrice and asked Sister Patrice, "Will you take care of my baby?" And Sister Patrice said yes. And you know that was the beginning of our love story. So, sixty wow. years later. Uh, here we are, and we've uh, certainly expanded our services and our age, uh, as well as our ability to now care for children and adults who have severe intellectual developmental disabilities and delicate medical conditions. And we provide a whole array of services uh, for the people that we serve, the children and adults. Our youngest is two years old, and our oldest is 80. Uh, I certainly didn't think we would be serving a lifetime of or a span of a person's lifetime when I started here, but that's how we've grown and developed. And so you know, our goal is to provide opportunities for people to be the best they can be and to reach and develop to their potential, whatever that may be. Um, And so the Sisters of Mercy helped start or began Holy Angels. It's one of what what they call a sponsored ministry. And it's continued on today uh, with a variety of programs and services to meet needs and to help people be the best they can be.
0: It's so impressive. And again, I know that our listeners are going to check it out because, of course, you have built a foundation on which Holy Angels is going to continue. And we'll talk more about that because you're not leaving exactly either. And you're going to assure that. But let me go back to the beginning, Regina. Why did you get into nonprofit leadership in the first place?
1: Well, honestly, it was not my career path. Um, I had gone to my undergraduate degrees in social work and I was uh, hoping to get into the medical social work field. Uh, And at the time when I graduated from college, I started to work at Mercy Hospital to learn the the medical field and um, was hoping to get into a position. Unfortunately, um, I had to go home. My father was a New York City fireman and was injured on the job. Fortunately, he was Okay, but I went home to see. When I came back, uh, the position was uh, eliminated because of budget cuts. And that seems to be a reoccurring um, theme theme, uh, in the world. But um, so from there, I decided well, you know, my minor was education. And so I talked to the head of the education department at Sacred Heart, and she directed me to a place that was called the Mary Ellen Nelson Center and said, you know, you should consider taking a, a position over there for a short period of time in order for one of the teachers there to go back to school and get her uh, degree. So I was hired to teach um, and it was supposed to be just for a half a year. And um, I had 12 adolescent boys that were uh, had intellectual developmental disabilities. And uh, believe me, I was as green as grass. Uh, <laughs> but I, when I got into it, I just really loved it and uh, loved the work. And uh, so the, for six years, I taught special education, and I went on to get my master's degree because I was offered a, a year-long contract. And that's how I began my career. And honestly, um, I had the opportunity to work with young children to adolescents to adults, and then was very involved in Special Olympics and Camp Sertoma, which was a camp for people, uh, children with disabilities, and I ran that. and. Um, uh, In the meantime, I had gotten, as I said, my master's, and I always wanted to get into administration, and so I was, um, you know, I I really believe God's hand has been in in my career and my life from from the beginning, and um, a very good friend of mine um, and mentor uh, said, you know, I know you love the field of disabilities, but, you know, there's this principal position open at St. Michael's School in Gastonia, and I think you ought to consider it, so I did i considered it i went and was hired and i served as the principal of saint Michael's school in gastonia for three years this same friend mentor and um, a person who's impacted my life tremendously said you know i know you love saint michael's but holy angels at the time was called the nursery has a need for, at the time, the position was called executive director. And I know that you love the field. And I know that you love administration. So I think you should apply. <laughs> so um, there was wow. a national research going on. I applied and was hired. And um, honestly, I was kind of green. Uh, I had experience in education, and I had experience in special ed and administration. But I had not had experience with the um more severely uh and children and young children that were had severe disabilities and had some medical fragility. So um but it's you know it was the best uh opportunity for me and my job at that time was to move the program from a custodial model of care which meant that the children were receiving lots of love and, and great care but there was really no program or education going on. And the reason for that is that the laws had not been um, put into place as they were in the late 70s. And so as laws changed and children who were had any type of disability, uh, we were required to receive a pre- free and appropriate education. And that kind of moved the needle for the field of developmental disabilities. And, it, and for me, it was an opportunity to move Holy Angels from what was a custodial model to what we have today as a developmental model of care with a whole continuum and array of services. And, and Holy Angels being a nonprofit, um, you know, I, I didn't really have much experience in, in fundraising or raising money. So um, I would say <laughs> to you that much of my early years were um, learning um, how to do the job, so to speak,
0: right. uh, how to raise
1: funds and run programs and get accredited and all of those things. So. Um, it's on-the-job training, but um, I had a real desire to learn, and I was very, very fortunate that I had some great mentors and people that were willing to um, give me guidance and advice.
0: Uh, you, you touched on something I was going to ask you about, and you said it beautifully. Well, one, I have to uh, acknowledge that you and I share a little bit, uh, certainly not to the extent you do, but I started my career working for Special Olympics. So the population sure. that you serve is one that I was fortunate to work with as well. And, and again, we talk about the role of mentors, you know, people in our lives at the right place at the right time. But I was gonna ask you Regina, as you moved into that leadership role at a relatively early age, yes. um, was it largely self-taught? Did you find that it was like you learned on the job or were there certain resources or things that helped you become a successful leader?
1: Um, there was a good majority of um, learning on the job and kind of trial and error. But the other was that um, I recognized that there were many great um, nonprofits uh, in in the field that were doing good work. And so I began to visit um, all over the state of North Carolina, different programs that were residential and uh, developmental, and and had a lot of different things going on. So, I you know I tried to learn as much as I could. But well, and I say both in state and out of state, and serve uh, you know within the community uh, in the in the disability community. So I learned um, on the job here at Holy Angels, and and reading and kind of researching and learning. Um, what needed to happen, but it also was going and visiting places that were providing similar services, and colleagues nice. that I met along the way, and professional organizations, and um, all of the things that you have to do to bring it together. And then, you know, obviously one of the challenges I think that is always, in um, the CEO's uh, purview, is you know working with the board of directors, and and how does the uh, CEO and the board how do they work in tandem in order to provide the guidance and leadership and policy and governance and all the things that are required so that was new for me and the fundraising part was very very new both from a um, governmental funding you know federal and state dollars right? Uh, and how to, to access that to raising dollars for uh holy angels because our mission was so strong and from the very beginning Holy Angels was known and I, I'm not sure Patton if you were grew up in this area but many people knew Holy Angels or the nursery through Kay's Gary who was a Charlotte columnist and uh shared the story of the nursery back in the early days so oh wow um, there were people that knew about us because case uh, um wrote about us and then Jim Bishop was a syndicated columnist and he did the same uh and then sister Patrice who founded Holy Angels um the first founder of founders if you will um really was able to engage people um that were interested in sharing the news about this very special place called the nursery
0: yeah you you all have cultivated well um the the local media and, and of course people have adopted holy angels in many respects haven't they the 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 meaning of holy angels and are willing to share the great stories and but i want to go back to to one of the other things you said regina about working with the board. And you're right. I have lots of conversation with nonprofit leaders. There's a complexity to that, right? The for-profit folks typically have one boss, but those of you in the nonprofit sector, you have a group of bosses, but did, did your interaction with the board evolve or change over these four decades? Or how would you describe specifically how you created such a positive board CEO dynamic?
1: Yeah, I I will tell you that um, early on, it was very, very challenging because um, it was a major change um, to take this place that was um, taking care of very fragile babies and young children and and kind of open up the place to the world because um, people were advised, you know, to go on and live your life and we'll take care of your baby. And um, because these babies weren't expected to live, but, you know, fast forward, science has changed and medicine has changed. And many of these um, babies that may have been born with some type of uh, disability or genetic um, problem um, are living today, some, not all. And so um, for, for the board, it was um, trying to adapt to, the changes that were required for a Holy Angels, and I'm referring to Holy Angels, but the name, you know, as I said, evolved over time to be Holy Angels Nursery. Right. And today Holy Angels. But basically, um, you know, there was a requirement on the part of the board to be supportive and adapt. And, and most of the board members were very supportive and and willing to adapt. But there were some that that really um had a little bit more of a challenge because of the major changes but knew that we needed to do it so you know i I worked with them and and you know part of it was driven by some regulatory requirements that we had to comply with and there wasn't a choice um we had um groups coming in to evaluate what we were doing and to be very honest i started on july 1st which would be tomorrow (laughs) uh, 30 years ago and um the uh at at that time, um, there there we didn't have the um, uh, let's say uh, I guess you would call it the uh, accreditation requirement from our local mental health system, and that was one of the the re- responsibilities I had was to move our program as it was to be in compliance. And I didn't know when I started that that it was going to be the review was going to happen in December so wow. i had six months to get everything kind of in order and hire staff and things like that and so that was challenging but you know we did really well i mean bringing the staff along was challenging in and of itself because we're, these were people we were asking to do other things in addition to care for these little babies and young children yep. um so you know it it, it it you know it god's hand was in it all and i know that i i probably will say that more times than not just because i believe that um, Holy Angels was meant to be who we are today because of the needs that we are meeting and serving.
0: Well, again, you, you managed uh, extremely well, you know, transitions at different levels. And, and you're right. You had to grow as the accreditation uh, requirements grew. And and I guess the, the blunt reality is sometimes not everybody stays with us, right? Board members, Correct. volunteers. Um, but let me ask you about another group that you have been very successful, which is recruiting and retaining talented staff leaders. Uh, I wonder, what do you look for, Regina, when you're hiring folks? Uh, Obviously, whatever you did paid off because folks are staying with you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think most importantly is, you know, I think people who are in leadership here at Holy Angels, they have to have a willingness to serve and believe in our mission. Yep. And, you know, they They, many of them, including myself, were called here. So, you know, we're called to this mission. And um, if we're not, I don't think that you can stay with it as much as, you know, maybe another type of work. Um, They have to be um, willing to work in a team. Uh, They have to be hard workers. Um, They have to be willing to do, and this is very simple, simply said, but to do whatever it takes right and you're operating right. 24 day hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year there are going to be many things that you have to do and i and i think the other part of that is is be willing to uh lead by example uh and um i'm a big um proponent of you know no job is too small for for myself or for anybody in the organization and i've expected people to do whatever it takes and if that meant you know we have a flood in the lobby and I'm mopping the floor, that's what it is, you know. Um, <laughs> you modeled leaders, that,
0: didn't you? Yes. Yeah,
1: yes, honestly, uh, that leading by example is so critical. And I expect that of all of our leadership team. And the other thing I think that's important in the nonprofit world, you know, people I don't believe necessarily are are coming to um, make as much money as they can. I think they're they're being called to the work. Um, obviously, you know, I think there's a justice issue in terms of trying to compensate people well and all of those things. But um, I I have been a real proponent and have done this frequently is promoting from within. If somebody has been working here at Holy Angels, and they truly meet the qualifications of the job, both by uh, professional skills and uh, also, personal skills. Then they'll have an opportunity to grow. And really, the majority of our executive leadership team now has been promoted from within. Who now will be the CEO tomorrow has been working here for 24 years, and she started as a social worker. Yeah, so, that's
0: such a good example, and 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 doesn't that that communicates to the potential talent pool for Holy Angels that if if you go there and work there and are successful, you will have an opportunity to grow in advance. Right. And I guess that's Absolutely. paid Absolutely. off.
1: Absolutely, Yeah. And, you know, I, I think investing in, in people is so important and, and certainly for myself, you know, our board over the years has been very willing to invest in um, in our training and, you know, certainly myself, you know, from a nonprofit uh, certificate, you know, to uh, the leadership uh, programs I've been involved with, you know, in my own, Um, position, but then for others as well. And I think it's so important, um, you know, you hear the term often, you know, grow your own and especially in today's yes. yes. if you can grow your own and and those people benefit um, the organization because they have the history, they've been part of it, they feel like they're making a difference, I think you can really um, develop and secure the future of any organization. but you know respect is so important and treating people with dignity and respect and confidence that they can do this. not you know, I don't know that I have a person here on my staff that has um, come here to work and had experience the experiences necessary to do their job entirely from from our frontline staff through the entire organization.
0: To that, but that's a tribute to you've created a learning and and development type culture, haven't you? That you're yeah, going to so get I, there. You're going to help them get better.
1: Right, exactly. It, it, and I think that's another investment that nonprofits need to do um for their people and and however many people they employ, because they're there. We hope you know to serve a mission, whatever that mission is. And and so I think it has to be somewhat of a win-win. You know that they're going to gain. Both personally and professionally uh, within the organization, and be recognized for the work that they do.
0: Yeah, well put. And again, like many things you're sharing, this is something our listeners can ponder as they consider their own organizational leadership and style. And in fact, something else I thought was really impressive, Virginia, because that many of our colleagues listening, certainly education, healthcare, human services, are faced with accreditation processes. That their reaction is often to groan, as as the deadline for accreditation or the review occurs. But I don't know if you love the accreditation process, but it seems to me you've embraced it in a way that has made Holy Angels better. Maybe you could speak to uh, that.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, you know, it's it's a requirement, right? And so whether it's um, an annual survey, and believe me, we have anywhere from fifty to sixty different governing, you know, bodies, not governing, but by, by different groups that come into Holy Angels to evaluate what we're doing. And, and then over time, of course, as we've grown and our programs have grown, um, we've had more people. But, you know, I think it it can make us better. Um, uh, you know, I'm very proud to share with you and the, the group that may be listening is that we just completed our fifth Um, three-year national accreditation with CARF, uh, the Council on uh, Accreditation of Rehabilitation Facilities. And we, um, the best you can do, like a perfect score is no recommendations. And uh, we had no recommendations, which put us in the top 3% of all nationally and internationally accredited organizations. Wow. And I will tell you that uh, that was a proud moment for all of us, and all of us worked very, very hard to achieve that. We have been accredited for the past uh, 12 years and uh, have always received a three-year accreditation, but it really, um, it really, I think, speaks to quality and commitment to the people that we're serving and the people that work within our organization. And within the same week, we had a one of our programs, our largest program, which is our intermediate care facilities, we have forty-eight uh, people that we serve twenty-four-seven, and that program at the, around the same week time was also approved with zero deficiencies for the I think it was the fourth year in a row, uh, which is the best you can do. So quality is important. I you know I have always felt like um, to set the standards high or set the set the bar high. And that that you know we will work towards achieving. Uh, not yeah. that we um, are going to exceed every time, but um, we've had some very very great um, uh, surveys, audits, accreditation, things like that. But of course, the national accreditation is by far the biggest. Uh, over thirteen hundred standards we have to comply with.
0: Good grief! Well, congratulations. That is remarkable. And you and your team are justifiably proud of that accomplishment. And I love how you've turned what instead of dreading a process, you've almost turned it into an aspirational objective, right? Hey, let's not just endure this, (laughs) let's excel. And and it's put you at the top, literally, of all organizations uh, of your size and type. So that's that's fantastic. Regina, let me jump to another topic that you learned on the job, as you admitted earlier in our conversation fundraising. I remember you made a comment to me in an earlier conversation about the importance of cultivating the next generation of donors. Talk about what you've done to do just that.
1: Well, you know, I will tell you this, that, you know, fortunately, Holy Angels had a very good base when I started here um, because of the work that was done in the first 25 years. But you know, I I saw it as a responsibility and really a requirement to build on that base. And so we, over the years, you know, when we started, of course, we didn't have uh, any fundraising software or anything like that. And we started um, with people that really didn't have a lot of experience. I had one person that was working in development and we started with a spreadsheet, you know, um, to try and manage (laughs) our donors. Um, but, but I think that, you know, part of it is building relationships, uh, you know, ones that you may already have and then new ones that you, you can kind of, um, bring along by sharing your mission and hopefully they would want to support it. Um, it's a little bit different today because there are so many. Different ways that nonprofits are trying to raise money. Um, we have tried to do it in a variety of ways. Obviously, when I started, we did not have any events. Right. Um, and right. so we started with events, building a base um, for this year uh, in September. We'll have our 31st annual golf tournament. And it, it's one of those kinds of events that continues to bring back people that play year after year or people that they know that they bring That's and it's right. been a very solid event for us um so events are good they're very labor intensive but it's a good way to kind of start to um meet people at a level that might be um fun and comfortable for them as we try to share our mission with them um but as as we built on you know it's kind of like Making sure that you nurture the people that have been supporting you for years and look at ways to expand your reach or to cast a bigger net, if you will, to bring more people into um, the the potential interest of supporting our mission. And I think you have to be accountable. You have to be credible. You have to perform at a high level. And, you know, you have to be able to share your story and and people need to see it in action. And, and, you know, you have to be good stewards of whatever gifts you receive. And so um, I think that the generation of today um, is um, much more um, savvy, perhaps in some ways, of how they want to spend their money or give their money and what they expect back for it. You know, and and a lot of it is what I've already said, you know, the credibility, the quality, the the making a difference, knowing that they're helping a great mission.
0: Well, that checklist you just reeled off strikes me as right on target um, and how you have been very thoughtful in maintaining these relationships, cultivating and stewarding these donors. So, in fact, they will stay with you even as you transition and your literal role with Holy Angels uh, that generation of donors is likely going to stay thanks to you and your team's good efforts. It, it leads me to this question. And I think it's in the back of many of our senior executives listening. It is, when is it time to retire or to transition or whatever term, you know, is used. Uh, how did you know, Regina, when it was time to, to well, make you know, the move? Um,
1: to be very honest, um I think it, it wasn't like I it, that I had a plan or or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important to have the energy to do the work because yep. nonprofit work is definitely requires energy and commitment. Um, but for me, you know, I I, I really feel like that I've given um a lot of leadership um to this organization and you know it's kind of time somebody else can step in and take the reins and i hope that the foundation that we've built will carry us forward um our our plan uh, you know to um retire mean part was my husband retired two years ago and we have two little grandsons that is three and the next the next one will be two this month or right the month of July, so you know like many people say you know I want to spend more time with with family um we moved to a, an uh an over 55 community and there is all kinds of activities going on <laughs> so I'd like to be able to do some of that nice um, I love to travel I like to play golf I like to ride a bike and so you know just to kind of have some time to do some of those things that um I haven't really been able to spend the time doing um Good for you. And, and then from that standpoint you know i i didn't i wanted to be effective and um impactful but intentional with the plan for me to uh move out of the position of ceo um holy angels is very very complex we have a lot of different things going on um, I, I think, you know, when I started, we had one building. Today, we have 17 different. Oh, my gosh. Buildings. Yes. Um, we had 35 staff and 35 residents. Today, we have 83 residents and uh, 350 staff. And um, our budget went from less than a half a million to almost 20 million. So, you know, and with that, a good 25 to 30 percent our contributions and donations we have to raise. So, you know, I wanted to help assure um, stability for Holy Angels and to have time to plan that out. And one of the things that that I'm so grateful to our board uh, for was their willingness to allow me to um, work with them to develop a a strong succession plan uh, and put the the action items in place in order to as much as we could assure
0: The future of holy angels. That's it. Well, and I was just going to comment on that because again, like everything you've done, it's been thoughtful. You didn't roll in and give them a two-week notice and just uh, announce that you're going to depart. Uh, You were thoughtful. In fact, I believe, Virginia, you told me this was like a three-year plan. Is that right? I mean, there was some detail to that, right? Yeah.
1: You Know, I did a lot of uh, reading and research on you know, how do you uh, probably about five years ago? I started thinking about okay, what would happen if I wasn't here, and right. so I wanted to really look into you know, what are you know, what are the best models, and you know, and and you know, they vary, of course, in, in both in the public and the private sector and how things are done, but um, for for us, um, the board was the executive committee of our board was very involved from the beginning as i talked about you know trying to develop a plan and um present some options you know to them and um we had several meetings over the past three years where we actually put on paper um the plan uh based on the information that i had uh researched as well as what they wanted to see and they wanted to be sure that Holy Angels was going to carry on and and be both financially sound and mission strong and um, having the right people on leadership, in leadership, as well as, you know, dealing with the many challenges. So we were very fortunate in that and intentional. And it was really um, a blessing for us to have somebody who was on our staff and very well respected and uh appreciated for her gifts and that's Carrie matsey who will assume the ceo responsibilities of the physician tomorrow right and, um she she um really was i think the right person um she's got a great love and passion for this mission and very very confident and skilled and um has been preparing um for uh, her position, as you know, uh, both on the fundraising side and the nonprofit leadership side, and um, been involved professionally. Um, some of the the boards and committees that I've served on, uh, as I rolled off, Carrie was able to step in. So we we both have been very very uh, intentional about the process.
0: Yeah, it's in, again impressive, and and. I imagine their listeners thinking about that one. Hopefully, they will be intentional too as they ponder a transition to make sure that you don't lose, frankly, the momentum and the foundation you built. Talk about though your new role, Regina. I guess how do you remain supportive of Carrie and the leadership without though everybody still turning to you every time a decision comes yeah, up? You know, yeah, well,
1: a couple of things. You know, um, when we, you know, this is a dual role that I've served. Um, from the very beginning, you know, the title was executive director. Changed to to president and CEO right. early on in my career here. Uh, the Sisters of Mercy have um, the uh, approval process with a recommendation from the board for who the uh, president slash head of ministry is, and um, so in our process, we we looked at at that, and you know, I knew that. Um, that the role of president was one that uh, and our board knew this that that I will still report to the board for uh, the next six months giving Carrie a chance to kind of get her bearings in in the day-to-day CEO responsibilities which are massive right and, um, then uh, so I'll do that for the six months and I'm working on I'm working in the area of fundraising and marketing public relations uh special projects and i'm working on a building project um for the future
0: nice and
1: So that's kind of what i'm going to do in my role as president and serve the board for until the end of december and um in august the board will be um discussing the uh, recommendation and appointment of well, the appointment of carry to the to the role of president uh, that will go to the Sisters of Mercy for their review and hopefully approval um, and they typically um you know want to assure that the head of ministry slash president um is somebody that that they uh, feel confidence with which we already know that that they've been very much in in the loop on this uh, the board has been in the loop on it so I think that you know the the kind of um natural progression but doing it in a an intentional patient way um, has been really helpful because Carrie is uh, assuming uh, many of the responsibilities really for the past uh, year and a half. Right, we've been working side by side in meetings, uh, in leading meetings. She's assumed uh, leadership of one of our teams um, as I've continued to lead the executive team. Um, so you know, we've we've kind of moved through a process of steps and um i think the same will be true so as as she moves into the role the dual role of president and ceo january 1st um i will uh, move into the role of uh, director of, of the building um project and and be available in for consultation if she needs me
0: yeah um, yeah so
1: uh i to to kind of make it practical uh, my office has been in the, the main building for 40 years, and so um, <laughs> I moved to another small office building on campus. Okay. We moved into my office and conference room, and um, we were able to appoint a COO who's been on our team for five years and has served in the vice president of HR, so he is moving into Carrie's office, and so we made these physical moves. We've yeah, right. Positions. Um, into some vice president positions and um, to be honest I I think that the gradualness and the plan of this um, really has has and will um, serve Holy Angels well and that has been my goal and the board's goal from the beginning um, to have you know a a good plan that and work the plan and you know change and be flexible if you needed to do that and we did on certain things but um, at you know, as of today, we've completed the milestones required uh, that the the board had approved uh, regarding Carrie moving into the position tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it's uh, not surprisingly very thoughtful, uh, well thought out. In in several takeaways, one, I love the way you, your new role is is clearly defined, so people understand. Of course, you had great value in everything you did, but now you're going to turn your attention to the building project and some external. Uh, activities which are only going to benefit holy angels, and I love that your description of the kind of the gradual transition. In other words, it wasn't just kind of a July one, and you know everybody dropped everything and started something new. You guided your successor over the course of this year and a half, and and that to me, there are lessons there that uh, certainly can benefit others that are pondering a transition. They, but. You know Regina, it, this is an impossible question given the the list of accomplishments you could uh, offer our listeners. But is there anything you're most proud of <laughs> as you ponder everything you've done that might um, in fact turn into a lesson for our listeners?
1: You know, I, I think um really the ability to um, kind of identify needs and then develop a plan to address them. Right. Um, And and so as a result, we've been able to really develop programs and services to meet the needs. Um, And then I think the people that, you know, both the people we serve and their families, as well as the staff and the volunteers and the board, all of the people that I've had the opportunity to impact um, and to, to kind of bring them along to this, you know, mission uh, that we have here in Holy Angels, and I think that our, you know, reputation speaks for itself. And you know, I think it's something that, as a nonprofit executive, uh, one of our duties and responsibilities uh, has to be to um, protect our our brand and our reputation by, act, you know, acting and living, you know, morally and ethically um, in terms of the responsibilities of the position. And so. Yeah. Um, I think that that for us, um, I, you know, I want to be clear that, yes, I've been in the leadership role, but uh, as I say to my staff all the time, that there's not one job here at Holy Angeles that can be done by one person. And I really feel like that this has been a, a team effort, uh, certainly building trust, uh, first and foremost, with the families and, their, and the residents or the children and adults we serve, uh, with the staff with the board with the community um i also think it's important to be a good corporate citizen and i think it's good it's important to be a leader in the community and you know i certainly um have had many opportunities to serve in our local and community and state and it's been you know really a privilege and it's it, it you kind of have to have the whole um the whole package if you will i think to be a successful nonprofit um,
0: in this role today. That's great advice, as you have offered throughout this conversation, Regina, for that. I'm grateful. And again, thank you for being willing to go down memory lane, frankly, and and share your journey, because I I know it will be thought-provoking for listeners who are somewhere else on the path to nonprofit leadership. Um, If I could add one more request to my list of questions, um, how about a book? Uh, can you recommend a book that's been meaningful to you well, that maybe would be meaningful to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I probably have um, three that I really like um, <laughs> over my career. One, of course, is Servant Leadership. I, you know, I think that you you have to be a servant first in the nonprofit world yeah. to to lead. And uh, you know, certainly uh, Robert Greenleaf's book on Servant Leadership is one that I've had the opportunity to. Be part of uh, some training and um, some activities locally and statewide. So that that's one that I I think never gets old, really. Yes, um, good one. And then um, daring greatly, I think you know, is one of those kind of books that probably could challenge us all, and one that um, I think can really play a, a very important role in the um, part of an executive. Or, or a leader in a nonprofit or in any, any business, to be very honest. Yes. But the one that I practice the most of my staff will tell you is <laughs> uh, a very simple book. And it's the QVQ, the question behind the question.
0: Nice. And
1: I use that all the time because I think it's a great way to teach people how to um, evaluate, analyze, and think about what happens if I do this. And, you know, I certainly have practiced that in my entire career. You know, if I make this decision, then what happens? And I would say to any nonprofit person who works in leadership or as part of an organization is there are so many questions behind the question. And if you practice that, you'll make good decisions or the best decisions based on the information that you have.
0: Wonderful recommendations, all three, but you're right. I think it was appropriate you finish with that one. And uh, that is certainly something I know our listeners will want to check out if it's not already on their bookshelf. Again, I will encourage listeners to check the show notes for this and all of the the resources and information you've shared, Regina. But specifically, where can people find out more about you and the great work at Holy Angels?
1: Well, you know, we've been very fortunate and blessed that we've had some great uh, media coverage uh, with this change that's coming. You know, 40 years is a long time for anybody and to be in the same place as you know, Patton. And so um, we uh, have a website that is constantly being updated and um, we have created a legacy of leadership page on our website at www.holyangelsnc.org along with many other um Things that are on our website that might be of interest to people, everything from our fundraising events to our programs and services and things like that. And one other thing I would mention to nonprofit leadership is to don't be afraid to dream and to be innovative and creative, because um, here at Holy Angels, we've been very blessed in that. In addition to operating a nonprofit, we also have four businesses that we operate that provide meaningful employment for, for some of the individuals we support who have a, a mild to moderate intellectual disability. So um, that, that model is rather unique and I'm very, very proud of it, but it's certainly one that I think any nonprofit, if you work hard uh, and are looking at innovative and creative ways to do things that can enhance your mission, uh, I think there are many opportunities out there. It's
0: Fantastic. and Thank you for lifting all of those programs of which you should be justifiably proud. And congratulations for a remarkable four decades of leadership at Holy Angels. Lots of lessons that you have been generous in sharing. I will encourage our listeners to check it all out on the show notes related to this episode. And Regina, thank you again for joining me on the path.
1: Thanks, Patton, and, and good luck to you and your work, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. And certainly, I will say to people that time flies when you're having fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a perfect way to finish. Thanks again.
1: Thanks, now. Have a good afternoon.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Regina as much as I did and came away with some practical ideas, whether you're building your nonprofit organization at this point, or you're trying to assure your efforts will only be elevated if you step away. Don't forget about the show notes. They are on our website, PattonMcDowell.com. Go to the podcast page and find this episode number 168. You can find out more about Regina the resources we discussed, and you can also learn more about that great organization called Holy Angels. As always, thanks for sharing this episode with someone else on the path. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe. Just go to the podcast page at PattonMcDowell.com and you can hit the follow button and assure that you won't miss out on any of our weekly episodes of Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership. They come out every Thursday, and if you like this episode, click on the Episodes button. Look around, and you might see some other episodes that will interest you, or you can simply search uh, by episode title, uh, topic, or guest name. Thanks again for all you're doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now. Keep up the good work for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week. I'll see you next time on The Path.